You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month, where you'll get discounts on our upcoming events, as well as our merchandise, and you even get some free giveaways every three months. Second Timothy 4, verses 1-5 through 5 in the NASB reads, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, use self-restraint in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here, St. Paul is writing to Timothy about personal instructions for his ministry charge. The church, however, has seen fit to canonize the scripture as important and applicable to us all. In context, Paul is discussing how evil their own time and how much worse the world would one day become. In our world today, how can this charge to Timothy be applied to the modern church now, Andrew? So, uh, you know, the, the big thing is that we're in the middle of this sort of ear tickling slash no sound doc- doctrine slash everybody running around in circles going every which way. You know, the, the thing that I have always taken out of this is the, that last verse specifically of Endure the, endure the hardship, do the work, fulfill your ministry. And that, you know, those those three things are really the keys to what it is that Paul actually is instructing Timothy to do in the midst of all the chaos and all the craziness, whether it's the pastoral side, whether it's just the discipleship side, whether it's just the day-to-day. If you do the work and endure, you will fulfill your ministry. So, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, hopefully your favorite church unity podcast. We are here today with Andrew Fouts to kind of discuss what he's up to, what he does, his ministry. And I'm here joined today with a very special guest, uh, Wells Fergie, David, Pizza Roll. (laughs) What's Uh, going on? Josh is not here with us today. It's his bedtime. (laughs) Uh, It is. It's true, by the way. It is. But... It is his bedtime. Uh, Andrew, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm Andrew Fouts, also known as the Ministry Misfit. Um, I am a licensed pastor, um, been in doing inner city and digital and sports ministries for about 10 years now. Um, well, longer than that, but officially doing it for 10 years. Um, you know, my my got uh my wife and i live here in canton ohio we're literally uh four blocks from the hall of fame uh pro football hall of fame um got uh two kids um you know just do doing the podcast doing the blog and you know just trying to do exactly what we talked about that first verse yeah yeah living the dream right next to the birth of flight you know yeah Uh, if you're listening uh 
Check out our convention website in the description below. Use the cold code HOLE, W-H-O-L-E, for 40% off at checkout. If you join the Patreon, you can get 60% off at checkout. We'd love to see you at the convention. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff to do there. And if you're not sold on the Patreon, we have a Q&A Discord. We do bonus segments. You get merch 10% off. You get free month merch every couple months. I'm just saying there's a lot of good reasons to do it. So maybe check it out. I will definitely be checking out the Patreon. But without further ado, Josh usually likes to get us started with his favorite form of unity, which is in the form of a silly question. So today's silly question is if Tony Stark lost a bet to you and had to pull and you had to pull up to his next party in whatever vehicle of your choosing, what would he be pulling up in? So right. Tony Stark lost a bet. You get to choose whatever vehicle he drives to his next party. Do you, do you want to go first? I can go first. Uh, TJ, go ahead. So I'm choosing a Saab 900. Any year, doesn't matter. If Tony Stark pulls up in a Saab 900, that's going to be enough of a jump start for someone, hopefully not GM, to buy the Saab brand back, <laughs> revive it, and start making more cool, classy hatchbacks that come out of the factory with a turbo. And that's I, that's really just what I want. That's all I want. On a 2023 Saab 900. Uh, I would have to go with a Spider-Man tricycle because the question didn't specify that it had to be a gas vehicle. And I just think it'd be hilarious to see him pull up in a children's vehicle that is also a different superhero. Yeah. Yeah, he's just going to play it off too, so he's not going to carry. Yeah. Man. What about you, Andrew? So we'll make your uh, your other show fans squirm a little bit here. And so all the systematic ecology guys are going to freak out because if we have them pull up in the Batmobile, <laughs> that's just going to, you know, it's just going to cause the multiverse to collapse in on itself. And, you know, that may yeah. prevent some of the, the bad movies that they're trying to re- reboot actually coming out. So, yeah. We're talking like classic Batmobile, Christopher Nolan. It doesn't matter if it's, as long as it's got the DC logo right up front, it's just, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, so let's get into it. Let's get into the, the, I like to call the real show. Uh, But (laughs) on the website for your ministry, Ministry Misfit, it states that you created Ministry Misfit after seeing the state of the American church's online present in the wake of 2020's events, culminating with the events of January 6th, 2021 and the Christian Twitter frenzy that has followed. Could you unpack some of that for us? Yeah, so a um, little background to it. 2018, um, I was um, doing, I was I was pastoring in Cleveland, Ohio, um, doing inner city ministry there. Um, you know, we were working with one church trying to rebuild it, um, it was an all-white congregation in the middle of a non-white neighborhood. Um, and so part of the work we were doing was trying to turn that church into a multi-ethnic church. Um, the, the congregation was not on board with that. Um, and so we, we were kicked out after about nine months. Um, we then were trying to plant a church in that, in that general area. Um, same model of a multi-ethnic ministry, um, doing some sports ministry stuff as well. 
Um, and we could not get any kind of support from a church planning agency because they, they were like, if we, if you're looking in the white suburbs, we do it, but because of the neighborhoods you're looking, we won't, we won't touch it. Um, we then ended up trying to help a church plant that was just getting started. Um, I was named like the, the, the theology elder. Um, I was the only one that was on quote unquote on staff that other than my wife that had any kind of ministry degree or ministry background. Um, and it, it did not go well due to, again, there was no support coming from anywhere. Um, the pastor had unfortunate, the senior pastor had unfortunately gotten involved with, um, some bad theology. Um, and he did not like the young kid telling him this is bad theology. And so we were asked to leave. Um, later that year, we also lost our daughter. Um, and then we also, um, there, there was just a lot going on in 2019 as well. So we ended up coming back to Canton and right at the start of the craziness that was 2020, um, <laughs> thinking we were going to be taking like a sabbatical year and then it was 2020. And so everybody was taking a sabbatical year, um, just not the craziness of it. Um, so, you know, we, I, I watched as in 2020, there were events going on that the church seemed to, rather than actually work for the betterment of the communities that they were in, were more determined to divide the communities than they were to actually do do the work that they were called to do. Um, you know, especially around the, you know, whether it was the COVID stuff, whether it was the racial stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting there watching as, you know, you have a pastor claiming, all, you know, only 1% die, so it doesn't matter, while also claiming to be pro-life. And then a month later, are trying to make the chant, all, all lives matter, in response to Black Lives Matter. It's like, you were just saying 1% didn't matter, but you're also claiming to be pro-life. And now you're saying that all lives do matter again but only the lives that actually are lining your pockets with the tithe money. And so I started writing, uh, I was working for CSRM, which is the, uh, um, it's the Association of Church Sports and Recreation Ministries. We're an international parachurch um, organization that does trainings, resourcing, a bunch of different stuff. Um, I was working in the resourcing department and um, I started writing blogs related to the stuff going on. And my uh, my supervisor, Dr. Greg Linville, was reading them and was like, you know what, these are great. They need to be published, but this does not fit our audience within CSRM. You got to find somewhere to publish these. So we started looking for places and there, there was really nobody at the time that was willing to actually try and make a middle ground statement of everybody get your act together. Um, you know, and I also was very much already kind of blackballed within the two different denominations I'd been working in. Um, I had been blackballed from one going back to 2015, um, because I had called out Donald Trump in 2015. Um, I, uh, and then, you know, again, in 2020, we had the same issues going on. Um, there was nowhere for me to publish. And so Greg and I started talking about, you know, what would this look like if we just created another blog space for myself? Um, you know, I was, I was producing four different shows for CSRM at the time, podcast wise. 
Um, so we're like, you know, your your plate's already full audio wise. So just keep writing this stuff and we'll find places to publish them, all that kind of thing. Um, and then January 6th happened. And uh, I'm sitting there watching all this stuff going on and people building gallows while singing worship songs and claiming that God had told them to do this. And I'm getting messages from some of our international network through CSRM going, it's like, how close are you actually to all of this? Because, you know, they have no sense of how close, you know, Ohio is to D.C. or any of this sort of stuff. And they're like, we turned on the news and thought we were watching local news, not world news for the U.S. And especially then to see everybody claiming this was a Christian event. That's when um, Greg, Greg was like, yeah, just go buy the microphone. It's like, we can't wait anymore. Just go buy the microphone. Um you know, and then, you know, the next big thing that happened right before we released, you know, I recorded, I recorded the first, the pilot episode with um, good friend, our Africa court, our African director, um, Bradley Barnes, who's a um, lifetime, you know, non-white grew up in Cape Town during apartheid. Um, he was the first non-white student allowed to attend a, a all-white school. Um, and we were talking about the fact that the stuff he was dealing with there growing up is exactly what we're dealing with right now related to everything going on to January 6th even. Um, and so we, we recorded all that and everything. And then we, I, I rejoined Twitter with the handle at ministry misfit. Um, Cause I Twitter, for those that don't know anything about social media, Twitter was dying for a long time. Um, <laughs> it sort of hit a re resurgence in 2016. Um, and so the, you know, I had only been on Twitter for maybe a week or two and it was um, Palm Sunday of 2021. And I saw the trending top, you know, one of the trending topics was Christianity. So it's like, oh, this is good. Palm, you know, somebody out there listened and actually did what they should do as a pastor on Palm Sunday and, you know, have people try and hashtag it up and, and build it. Um, and I, I open up the the threads and it's, all non-Christians that are responding to the backlash from Christianity related to little Nas X's shoes. And so yeah. on Palm Sunday, the only reason Christianity was trending was because of how horribly Christians were acting. <laughs> and that did not sit well. <laughs> And so that that really was where we're like, yeah, we just got to kick this thing into high gear and just go, um, because there's there there just was not anybody addressing things from a pastoral perspective related to the things of we've got to get rid of the politics and just look at what the theology of scripture says we are to do. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you kind of answered it, but <laughs> what what made you choose the name? Ministry misfit, because that's who I mean. I am the ministry misfit. Um, yeah. You know, I I grew up SBC. Um, you know, did all you know? I did thirteen years, something like that, of um, you know, Nam World Changers mission trips to Birmingham. Um, you know, all that that sort of stuff. Went to a evangelical friends college due to the fact that they were the first school to offer me a scholarship for baseball. Um, and while I was there, it was when I first realized how kind of just stuck in the middle I actually was. Um, 
you know, there, I was the outside of the track, track and field within the Malone culture is its own thing. It's not the same as any of the other athletics, but outside of track and field, I was the only theology major student that was not quitting their sports teams. Um, even if they were brought in on scholarship, you know, the, for some reason, the athletic department thought they couldn't associate within the theology department. The theology department was like, we can't associate with the, the athletic department. And here I was like, the only way I can stay here is if I stay on scholarship. So I have to stay with both. Um, but then on top of that, you know, I was the the theology professors outside of actually Dr. Linville and um, Dr. Bill Quigley. Really, I was watching professors that were so academic, they no longer had the the theology faith component to it. Um you know, some stuff that they were saying, I later would actually somewhat agree with what they were saying, but the way that they got it was not, was not theologically sound. They, they were going off of something that had nothing to do with why we actually should believe this stuff. Um, you know, we, we also, I, I was, you know, I was playing baseball, um, first day of spring, spring practices, um, my freshman year, I blew out my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also a year that we had, um, massive ice storms for the majority of winter. Um, and so I was on crutches, the only student in my, on my floor that was not, not somewhat local and could not go home on the weekends. I was also on the third floor of the only dorm with no elevator, um, and couldn't get out because you can't do crutches on, you know, an inch of ice. And so I was literally just stuck in my dorm room. For the majority of the time, um, the classes I was able to go to were were not good. Just in general, they were not good. Um, and it, it was something where I was I was forced through a you know in in it was a very depressive time that forced me to have to say okay what is it that I actually believe what is it that I don't and why mm-hmm. um, you know and that was where you know the you know the term we use now would be deconstruction. We didn't really use that term at that point, but you know, we were, it was a theological deconstruction. Okay. What do I believe? What do I not? Cause this is what I've always been taught. This is what they're saying. But the reality is it's probably somewhere in the middle because this side was all faith and no academics. This side is all academics and no faith and God's calling us to do both. And so I've got to find a way to, to figure this out. And so, you know, for the next three, four years, it was very much a constant depression that I was in because I was basically on my own outside of, I mean, I had close friends, but my, my sweet mate that I'm still friends with, he was not in the theology at all. He wasn't even in the athletics at all. My now wife was in the theology department, department with me, but she was not dealing with the same sort of things outside of the fact she was watching me have to go through it. And, you know, it was something where, you know, it it eventually got to the point where I realized that I was basically on my own to do this sort of thing because I did not fit any of the prefab molds that they had set out for us. And then, you know, going into actual ministry, it was the same sort of thing because I didn't, you know, I didn't dress quote unquote dress right. I didn't, you know, I don't talk correctly. I don't listen to the correct type of music, all these different things, you know, and it just was a matter of the fact that they, 
what God was calling me to do did not fit anything that they were that the current church models were prepared for. And so I was just stuck. And then you add in the political, you know, monsoon that we had right at that same time where I'm sitting here going, no, both parties are whack. What are we doing? <laughs> and, you know, that that's cost me jobs because no, well, why wouldn't you say that? Or, you know, why wouldn't you support the GOP regardless of anything else? Why wouldn't you be preaching that capitalism is biblical? Why wouldn't you be cr- proclaiming Christian nationalism right now? You know, all of these sort of things, you know, it, it does not fit. And because I already did not fit, that left me out in the cold. Yeah. 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 Pretty fitting, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's nice alliteration anyway. So, you know. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> added nice. Bonus. Uh, so, Andrew, you mentioned that you're a licensed minister and a teacher. Uh, what can you share about your story as a minister getting into the ministry? How did how did you initially get into the ministry before Ministry Misfit, what called you to it, and what's transpired since you've started pursuing ministry? So back to the name thing. Um, you know, I I got my call to ministry at 13 and said no for five years. Um, you know, every and I would just kept saying no. Um, you know, this isn't going to be it. No. Um, <laughs> when I finally did say yes. Um, you know, was going into my senior year of high school. Um, you know, I ended up doing a couple of chapel. I went to a Christian school out in Illinois. So, you know, we, I did a couple, I preached a couple chapels. Um, my best friend, I started, a, a Bible study thing there as well. Um, but you know, I, I knew the only way going to college was going to be baseball. There was no other way. My grades were not good enough for an academic scholarship. Um, you know, it, it was going to have to be baseball. I was already talking to a couple different MLB teams um, as well, um, and the the MLB was like, "You're you need to go go to a four year college that has a weight program and bulk up because you know the little tiny Christian school did not have a weight program. Um, the four year the most of the four year schools were like, you are too slow to be able to warrant a D one scholarship." Um, they're like, we'll take you as a walk-on, but you'll have to pay your way the first first year. And so that meant there was no way that was happening either. Um, you know, and so it was just a matter of, okay, what do we do here? Um, and then, you know, I applied out here at um, the college I ended up going to because of the fact that, I mean, it's in the town that my, my dad grew up in. My grandparents are still here. And so my grandpa was bugging me to do it. Um, and so I applied, um, ended up, Somehow we we still aren't sure if this was a, a error or not. Somehow got awarded somewhat of an academic scholarship, um, and then um, came out here to do you know to to do the baseball tryout, everything like that, do the run throughs, all of that. And that's when I met uh, Dr. Linville, and uh, this was the only school in the country that was doing a sports ministry degree. Um, and so it's like here, here I've been telling God no for the past five years. And now that now the one school that is like, yeah, here we can, you're fast enough to warrant a scholarship with us and we're going to offer you academic money as well. And they've got a sports ministry program that I'd never heard of, never seen anything like it. Um, and then I, I walked into Greg's office 
And I just remember we were sitting there talking and then in typical Greg Linville fashion, he realized he was supposed to be handing out a test at the moment. And so I had to walk with him to go hand out his test. Um, but he, he then walked me into, he walked me back and he's like, so this is what you're doing is you're, you're switching your major. And so I feared he was like, you're not doing sports ministry. You're not going to be able to handle this. He's like, you're going to go and you're going to sign up to do double major. You're doing both sports and youth. And it was basically a, you don't have a choice, even though I hadn't even signed anything to say I was going to the school yet. Um, it was just a matter of you're doing this. Um, and so that was, that was kind of a confirmation time of somebody I had just met where now, you know, now it's, he is, he's the main ministry mentor I have. Um, but at that point he, he was already like, no, you, you're going to need to do this and this is why. Um, and, you know, and so that's, that's what I did, you know, after, after school, uh, my wife and I were, um, family pastors rebuilding a youth ministry in her hometown. Um, and then they couldn't pay us <laughs> was really what it was. They, they literally could not afford to pay us. And so, we started looking. Um, Greg actually is the one that was like, "Hey, I've got we've got this church up in Cleveland that needs rebuilt from the ground up, and it's inner city." Um, and you're and he was like, and they asked me, "Who do I know that's able to do rebuilds? knows knows the knows how to do rebuilds without really any budget, and that also is not going to be afraid to live in the ghettos of Cleveland." Um, and he's like, "And you're literally the only person I know that can do that." Um, and so we went up there, unfortunately we were lied to about basically all of it. Um, as far as what the, the, the church was lied to, we were lied to, it was all just a big mess. Um, and so, you know, we, we left there, um, we started up with the church plant there that, that fell through after the pastor got involved with some weird stuff. Um, and then, you know, we've been back here in Canton and, and doing all the stuff here. So. It's been a very again. It's not. It's not a ministry ride you hear normally, um, but unfortunately, it's been one where we we know that we were in the spots we were supposed to be. It's just unfortunately we were the ones that were the, you know the the we were the ones going and saying here here is what here is what God has that you can look like. Yeah. Do you want this or not? Yeah. And you know most of them said no. Um, we don't want it. Um, you know, and it. It's something where, you know, I wish that when we would leave a place, I would get the phone call of, see, you were completely wrong. Like, you know, you were completely off. You were completely wrong. See how great things are going. I don't get those phone calls. You know, unfortunately, it's a, you know, exactly what you said was going to happen has happened. The church has collapsed. It's no longer there. Mm -hmm. um, one of the schools I was teaching at, you know, they they lost 50% of their, their um you know, 50% of the students that were there, um, kid that I was working with for, you know, the three years we were up there, um, was shot, you know, within about three weeks of us leaving. Um, and then, you know, and then on top of all that, then the world just went crazy. Um, and so, you know, we, we just, unfortunately are, I, I, I identify more with Jeremiah than anybody else within scripture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, he did what he was supposed to do. Nobody cared that he was doing what he was supposed to do, and it it was not fun doing what he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Man. So it sounds like you've had a really wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an understatement. 
But what can you tell us about your current faith community? Have have things calmed down? Are you at a place where things are settled? Or, you know, what can you tell us? So we currently are attending um, Third Street Community Church here in Canton. Um, it's a intentionally multi-ethnic church that was actually built out of sports ministries. Um, I, I, I studied with um, the senior pastor. Um, he and I were doing youth or doing sports ministry classes together in college. Um, when we first came, half the staff were people that we had graduated with. Um, now it's not that way because every you know it's it's moved around a little bit. Um, but you know we we've been going there since 2020. Um, you know we're we're Mis- Misfits is partnered with them. Um, they're a member of a multi ethnic church planning uh, community that's called Tribe Collective. Um, and so Misfits is unofficially, um, just because we, we don't want to mess with signing papers, um, unofficially partnered with them as well. Um, I'm also still, I'm on contract now um, rather than on staff, just because, again, they unfortunately can't afford to pay me um, with CSRM. Um, I'm consulting with them on the digital stuff that I built for them. Um, and then I'm also working currently on rebuilding the website and I'm going to be submitting blogs and things like that here and there. Um, you know, and then, you know, we're doing the misfit stuff. Um, we're partnered also with, um, a after school program here in Canton, that's Tikva. Um, they are doing, you know, they do everything from, you know, tutoring to career, you know, career development help for the kids, um, interview prep. Um, games, food, um, you know, medicine, walkthrough, you know, doctor checkups types of stuff. Um, they do all sorts of different stuff. So we're partnered with them. And if you actually, if you want to support them as well, if you go to the Misfits website, there's an entire section of items on our shop that the money that comes off of that is going back to Tikva. There's a couple different t-shirts. Um, one of their, one of their teachers was one of our guests during the, uh, we, we do a fancy football league every year. Um, and so he was the guest for the live draft and he, uh, did a freestyle rap over our theme song. And so that that's available for download money's going to Tikva, you know, all that stuff. So we, we're, we're more involved misfit wise, as far as within partnering with a lot of the local, local stuff. I also do consultations both for CSRM and online ministry, digital ministry, things like that. Um, my wife currently is getting her master's degree in social work. Um, she's currently working for, um, Catholic charities also doing stuff with them. So, you know, she's able to get back into the ministry fray through, through the social work and and working with kids and things like that. So it's, it looks completely different than it did. Um, you know, but we're still for the most part doing, we're, we're in the areas that we, we would have been regardless. Um, you know, my ministry was forced to go online. Um, you know, nobody would have me in person anymore in a church because I was, I, you know, I was too liberal because I was talking about racial reconciliation with the gospel. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm also too conservative for any progressive church because I'm still going to tell you that everything is coming out of scripture. Um, and so there, there is no place. Um, you know, we, we call, I, we refer to ourselves as denominationally homeless, um, because there, we, we just, there is no denomination that will have us anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, you can always make your own. That's how splits happen. (laughs) 
but yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So you, you, you stayed busy. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, 2020 was a very interesting one of those where I almost felt like I needed to be, have, you know, the big, I told you so t-shirts. Um, cause I, I had been talking to churches for, you know, five years leading up to 2020 about starting digital ministries within their churches. Um, you know, having an online congregation as a important piece to your church and the discipleship and community. And, you know, I was just looked at like some crazy person trying to bring the mark of the beast into their congregations. And then February, 2020 hits. And suddenly I'm getting emails from all these churches that have laughed me out asking how to do this. It's like, I, I, I warned you, (laughs) I told you five years ago that this is what needed to happen. And now you can't find any microphones because everybody is sold out, you know? So there, there, there's been, that was a busy season that I was not expecting that I, but, um, you know, since then with everything going on, um, you know, we've had to, you know, from a, from a misfit ministry misfits perspective, we've had to stay busy because I mean, unfortunately people keep providing us with plenty of material, um, to, (laughs) to keep working on. So, right. So, one thing we'd like to do to help our audience get to know our guests a little bit better is our speed round segment. I don't know if you looked over this before the show. Uh, yeah, I thought not. this was dangerous because I thought I warned Josh that, you know, I am I am a licensed Baptist pastor. And so you're asking theological questions with an open microphone and wanting me to do this in a speed setting. So this could be very interesting for you to edit later. Yeah, usually usually pastors struggle a little bit particularly Baptists, but (laughs) if you're listening and you're unfamiliar, we will just ask a series of questions and there are two rules. The answers need to be one sentence and we aren't allowed to ask you any follow-up questions. Do you think you're ready for this, Andrew? We'll see how, uh, you know, my grammar, my grammar is as good as my math. So we'll see if my definition of one sentence is the same as yours, but yeah. Yeah. Run on sentences are allowed. That's still a sentence. So you'll, you'll probably be all right. Maybe not with the first question. Who right. or what is God? So God is the Trinitarian creator of the universe that sacrificed himself to save his creation because of how much he loves his creation. What is salvation? The saving of creation from the penalties of their own sinful actions. What does it mean to be truly evangelical? You're n- you don't want me to answer this one. <laughs> what authority does Scripture have? Scripture has full authority over our lives, and especially our theology. What authority does tradition have? Authorities tradition or I just completely flipped the words around. Tradition's authority is over our cultural thought processes and actions. What are your views on free will and predestination? (laughs) You probably don't want me to answer this one either. Um, This one could be two sentences, right? Because you asked me two questions technically here, right? The question was technically one sentence. I'm just saying. Free will is the loving way that God has allowed us to interact with him and his creation. 
predestination is a misunderstanding of an omniscient God that has created a people for his glory. Yeah. So you just used a semicolon. That's still one sentence. Okay. See, yeah, yeah, I told you grammar. I will. I can't answer your evangelical question. I just said you probably don't want to because I just I just realized it's not capitalized so we can go a different route. So what does Um, it mean to be truly evangelical? To be truly evangelical is to to have a mindset of evangelistic disciple making within all of our relationships. All right. What do you love about the Bible? I personally love the story of scripture as a whole. All right. How many of the seven sacraments do you or your church hold to? And which ones are they? It's always kind of hard. Nobody ever really like thinks about the seven sacraments. Yeah, I'm that trying to Catholic. figure out one of these kind of is, but it's not in the way that the sacrament normally holds to it. So that's what I'm trying to figure out if I count it or make it a half. Half. Um, so, well, I guess there's actually kind of two halves. So four, baptism fully, Eucharist fully, anointing of the or marriage fully, um, anointing of the sick in the fact that it is very much um, one that is big on communal prayer. Um, confirmation in the fact that the church is very much about discipleship and a and people having an understanding of what it is that they actually are talking about. So those are kind of halves, the, the confirmation and anointing of the sick, because that's not the way it normally is used. But that is there. All right. You did great, especially for a Baptist pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I, I, yeah. Now, if, if your question, if question four had been capitalized about being truly evangelical, we probably would need to start another podcast. But, you know, we'll, we'll go with the lowercase e for that one. Yeah. Maybe another day. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've mentioned it already, and we've talked about it, but other than the podcast and other than you, what (laughs) is Ministry Misfits, and what other ministries are you a part of slash involved in? So Ministry Misfits is a, obviously it's a podcast. We also have a blog um, when I actually remember to, you know, write in. Um, uh, and then we're currently also kind of working on a potential book, but it depends on, again, if I actually have time to ever sit down and write it. Um, but, you know, we so we've got that. We also do um, we are available for consultations for inner city ministry. We're available for consultations for um, digital ministry as well. Um, I personally am also available for consultations for sports ministry. Um, sports rec and fitness ministries um, through CSRM, which is kind of a parent ministry um, that I mentioned before. It's the Association of Church Sports and Recreation Ministries. Um, and then our the publishing houses out of there, there's Overwhelming Victory Press, which is a book publisher, Overwhelming Victory Flicks, which is a video production house, and then Overwhelming Victory Radio, which is an audio production house. Uh, ministry Misfits is a member of ov radio um and it's a production of them um largely because i'm the director of 
OV Radio, uh, but also because Greg Linville is our executive producer and he's a producer there as well. Um, we're kind of a uh, sister ministry um, where we we don't report to CSRM's board or anything other than I report to them the podcast numbers. Um, you know, so so those those are there, and then you know we're we are both my co-host Brandon and I go to Third Street Community Church. Um, you know, we're both involved there. Um, we are both uh, connected to Tikva through both. Um, Brandon actually has a little bit more time to actually volunteer than I do. Um, but, you know, we do some different stuff with them. We do some different stuff with the Third Street Sports Ministries. Um, there's also a community center that our church runs as the Martin Center. Um, and so we also are involved doing some stuff with their, them. We uh, They do some basket, adult basketball tournaments um, every once in a while that will come and broadcast um, and do, you know, do interviews and stuff like that through them. Um, you know, yeah, there, there's quite a few that were connected with tribe collective. Um, again, they're a, uh, a church playing agency that is all multi-ethnic ministry related. Um, we are partners with a couple other podcasts in general, um, things like that. So, you know, we, we're involved with a lot of these different ministries in different ways. Sometimes it's just partnering for support. Sometimes it's actual physical partnership. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of the fact that we're just there. Um, and so why not, why not work together since we're both there? Um, you know, so, you know, there's a wide variety. Um, if I actually remember to put it on our website, there's a full list of the different ministries we're partnered with, but I don't remember if I actually updated that section or not now that I'm actually saying it. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you bring up this idea a lot on your show and on our diving deeper episode, but for those who only listen to our main feed here, what is cold war theology? Yeah, so this is where it gets real fun. Um, it's a good thing you didn't start out with this or this would be your whole show. Um, you know, so Cold War Theology is the name that I gave to this idea. Um, it, it's not something, it's not an idea I created by any means. Um, it's something that I have noticed since even when I was in high school, as far as dots connecting, but never fully connected them really until about 2016, actually. Um, so we call it Cold War theology because that's when it became popular was during the Cold War here in the U.S. Um, but it really goes back all the way to the Puritans first settling here in the U.S. as far as um, it's an ideology more than it is even a theology, but it's been taught as theology here in the U.S. for at, for, you know, 200, 400 years, something like that. Um, you know, the idea that this this land is called out by God as special, um, that, you know, the purpose of the church to be the shining city on a hill means that we are actually in control, not in service. Um, you know, it, it, it is, it's both the seed and a mixture of a lot of the different systems we see right now, you know, Christian nationalism, theonomy, theocracy, um, fundamentalism as a whole, evangelicalism, puritanism, um, you know, a lot of these different things, the, the false American history, that's the whitewashed American history, um, all of that sort of stuff is all mixed in. And it's stuff that is taught from, from a theological perspective as fact, 
but all it is actually doing is feeding these false gospels that are continually rising up. Um, you know, it, it, we first really can point out where it starts in the 1920s with the rise of fundamentalism. Um, you know, the, the fear of the fact that there's evolution now being taught, um, the fear of feminism, the fear of civil rights activists, um, you know, the, 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 they're coming for your children mindset of the fear mongering that is, was constantly being taught, um, you know, going from there, even into, you know, going into the, the, the world war of the idea of God is on the side of the allies, because obviously we're God's chosen. And so we must be the ones that are going to be victorious. Um, you know, going into the cold war, this, communism versus democracy, socialism versus capitalism, atheism versus Christianity was the mindset. And that was the propaganda that was being pushed by our government, but that was being backed up by pastors. Because if the pastors are being saying the same thing as the government, now the pastors can start moving up the ladder. And unfortunately, because it was not called out, at least within white evangelicalism, it was not called out it continued to grow and grow and grow. And so that's when you get to the 1980s with Reagan, suddenly now, if you vote democratic, even if the democratic president that is running again is a devout Southern Baptist, he can't be a Christian because he's running on a democratic platform. Mm. Anybody that now disagrees with something that I say is now automatically labeled a Marxist because you obviously hate God and hate America if you don't agree with me. And that this is what has led up to, you know, it culminates with Donald Trump being elected because evangelical pastors immediately are saying, this guy must be God's chosen. He is Cyrus, is the wording we hear from a lot of them. It's Cyrus. He's going to lead God's people back to where we belong, to the detriment of anybody else. Wow. And then it shows up on full display on January 6th with, we must prevent Satan from taking over our government again and put God's chosen back in power by any means necessary. And now it's now suddenly now Christian nationalism is back on is now back in the forefront of the minds. And so now we are back in the same situation we were prior to world war two, where fascism is now being dressed in a Christian robe and saying this is what God has chosen for everybody. And so we, within our stuff, you know, we label it Cold War theology. Um, there's a lot of different pieces to it. Cold War theology is just kind of the umbrella of all of it. Um, but, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about it because it's a major issue that we've got. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so touching on the subject of Cold War theology and Christian nationalism, and on January 23rd's uh, Whole Church News segment, if you're on the Patreon, we will touch on some of that as well. Uh, but is there anything that we as Christians should keep in mind when it comes to politics, especially those of us who grew up in more conservative circles? So I always, and this is actually the ser- one of the things that I said that got me fired from one of the churches. Um, you know, when we look at what the Bible says about Christians and government, Jeremiah 29, Romans 13, 
are the the biggies specifically. You know, Jeremiah 29, and then, sorry, and then Daniel 5 um, is the other one. So, you know, Jeremiah 29, everybody wants to quote verse 11 without having no idea why verse 11 is even there. Jeremiah 29 is Jeremiah writing a letter to the exiles, telling them what it is that God wants them to do in exile. And it's plant vineyards, build homes, give your daughters in marriage, seek the prosperity of the city that I have placed you. Because when it prospers, so will you. That's the call. You you are in exile. You are not in your homeland. You're not where you want to be. But live your lives. Do what I ask you to do. And seek the prosperity of the city that you're in. Don't seek your own prosperity. Seek the prosperity of the city that you're in. Because if it's prospering, then you're going to prosper as well. Mm. Daniel 5. Well, and then, you know, I, I say that that chapter specifically because of the fact that we, if we believe that we as Christians are wait, you know, we are not in our home. We are in exile. We are awaiting a better place. And so if God has set, told the exiles this thousands of years ago, why would he not be telling us this now of live your lives with the purpose of seeking the prosperity of the city that you're in? We're not seeking our own prosperity. We're seeking the prosperity of the of the city that we are in, because if they are prospering, we will prosper as well. You know, going in then to Romans 13, Paul basically says the exact same thing. Fear God, honor the emperor, pay your taxes. Don't fear the government. They're there for your good, but God's given them authority. So just do what they're telling you to do. But the fact they also tells us to stay responsible as far as fearing God means that sometimes that means we do actually have to stand up against the government and do what is right. And God, but Paul also reminds us that God has given them the authority to kill us. And so we do, we do what is right, but we understand that the government has the right to do what they would please with us anyway. And then going into the voting side of it with Daniel 5, it says God is the one that sets the times for the empires. He sets the the times for the rulers. He is the one that brings rulers up and pushes rulers down. So the fear of us as believers, as far as if we don't have the right person in government, that we are now suddenly going to morally collapse is completely misplaced because God is the one that determines all this stuff, not us. Our call is just to seek the prosperity of the city, which is the same call we have as a church anyway, to consider others more highly than ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about making sure that the country stays conservative. It's not about preventing the liberals from taking over. It's not about abortion. It's not about this or this or this. It's about seeking the prosperity of the city we've been called to and considering others more highly than ourselves, which means that sometimes when I go into the voting booth, I have to vote for something that may actually bring potential, not harm, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um detriment hardship yeah detriment hardship hardship to me as an individual but yet for my neighbor down the street this is going to allow them to actually be able to do what they are needing to do wow yeah but we don't want to think about that because what happens if the government suddenly becomes liberal and no longer wants a christian no longer lets us pray in public Mm. for thousands of years the church was not allowed to pray in public and they survived and they thrived. Why do we suddenly fear that because we are in 2023, 
that all of these things now suddenly the 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 promises of scripture no longer apply. And that that really is where especially for us in conservative circles that we grew up in, we have to make sure that we have not put conservatism up as an idol to be worshiped. Yeah. And that is where we see a lot of these cold war theology Christian nationalism stuff really coming up. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of going a little bit off script. This is a question that we added last minute. Uh, but I really wanted to pick at your brain with this uh, because there is a very clear link between conspiracy theories and QAnon and all that with Christian nationalism. And that kind of becomes in a lot of circles, it becomes almost synonymous with mm-hmm. Christianity and so I wanted to hear what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? How do you think it's it's come to a point where now Christianity is kind of viewed synonymously with conspiracy theories? So the unfortunately, we've done it to ourselves because the, you know, like I said, we've we've been preaching fear mongering forever. Mm and so, of course, if we've been saying, oh, we have to do this, you know, they're coming for your children is what we've been saying about everything. Why wouldn't somebody that is a big charismatic leader that's saying they're coming for your children still be listened to? Wow. I mean, th- this has been the history of Christianity within the U.S. since, you know, at least the 1920s, if not before, of this idea of we must protect ourselves at all costs. You know, it's the same thing even with um, the way that we talk evangelism within mm-hmm. our churches. Most of the, a lot of the ways that we have heard, especially within white evangelicalism of how we preach the gospel is health centric, not, the, not theocentric, mm. not Christocentric. It's all about fear of hell, not about the glory of Christ. You know, the glory, I, I, for those that, that follow me on Twitter, Half the time, stuff that should be blogs end up on Twitter because I have time to type it out on my phone, but I don't have time to actually sit down and make it actually <laughs> look like professional writing. You know, I just did something the other day on this of this idea of, you know, if we look at Isaiah 6 and we look at Luke 13 or 23, I can't remember which one. There's a three in there somewhere. As far as that being the way that we address the idea of repentance, you know, Isaiah 6, Isaiah is brought up to heaven, and he is completely in the presence of Yahweh on his throne in full glory. And he sees everybody falling down in worship, and he wants to do the same, and suddenly he is instantly reminded of how sinful he is. Mm. There was no mention of punishment. God didn't mention God brought him up there. So it's not like you're in trouble for walking into the wrong room here. (laughs) There's none of that, but the idea of the fact that the glory of God was enough to make me realize, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. The thief on the cross sees the glory of God in a display that nobody else wants to look at with Christ on the cross and immediately realizes the fact that I deserve this and he does not, and yet here he is. And he just asked Jesus to, doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't even ask to be saved. He just asked for Jesus to remember him. And his faith was enough there to show repentance and trust in Christ as God and God and him as Savior to the point where Jesus is able to promise him that he will enter paradise. 
There was no threat of hell, no nothing. He didn't even want to escape judgment. He was still saying, I deserve to be up here. But yet he was immediately drawn to repentance. Yeah. But we don't we don't talk that. There was somebody on on Twitter the other night that told me that added, he added me to the uh, his heretics list on Twitter <laughs> after telling me I would burn in hell because we were talking about Jonathan Edwards and um, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I was like, look at this great piece, right? That sorry, that sermon has no theological basis whatsoever. It literally says that God is going to hold you over the fire because he abhors you. That's not what scripture tells us. God does not God does not abhor us. He abhors our sin and he cannot look on unrighteousness. But Ephesians 2 tells us that even in the midst of all that, God still came and did it because of his great love for us. But fear doesn't sell. Yeah. Or fear does sell. Sorry. Fear does sell. The idea of faith through love does not. And especially now that you have you add in things like the toxic masculinity movement, the you know Christian nationalism, patriarchy, which we're talking about on our show next week, all these different things of where we can't even talk about this side of God because it's effeminate, which means that if it's effeminate, then we obviously side with LGBT. And so now we're in sin and now we're on the slippery path towards towards hell again. When yet scripture tells us that God loves us. That's the first thing that we see. He loves us enough that he personally will create us. Yeah. And he's personally going to save us. But we would rather spend our time warning people about something that is debated among all theologians because there is no clear picture of what hell actually looks like. Hmm. And so we're set up perfectly for somebody to be able to come in with the conspiracy theories. It's the same reason the prosperity gospel is so prominent because it's a conspiracy if you do this, you'll get this. If you don't do this, you'll be like this. And then they just wrap it up with a nice big out of contact verse to make it work. You know, the Christian nationalism side is not necessarily connected to the conspiracy theories. The Christian nationalism side is a heresy in itself for a reason beyond conspiracy theories. Christian nationalism cannot exist because you cannot be Christian and be a nationalist. Mm. The church's call the Christian's call is to consider others more highly than ourselves and to seek the prosperity of the city we're in and to seek the care of others. But nationalism is all about the, the glory of the state over everything else and to the detriment of others. And it also, especially in the U S you know, nationalism always has an, an ethnic identity attached to it throughout history. And within the United States, the only ethnic identity historically that will ever be taken is white supremacy. And so now we're back into just the fact that not only does it not fit ecclesiology-wise, we also now have a problem with the fact that it denies the Imago Dei. And so it can't work. But that's a completely different reason than why the conspiracy theories rise up. The conspiracy theories rise up because we have not handled... The idea of, you know, we do not have a spirit of fear. Well, wow. Christian nationalism has risen up because for the longest time, due to the Cold War theology stuff, we've looked at the gospel as an easy ticket way to gain political power on top of everything else. And so they're not necessarily connected, but they come from the same, the same line of thinking in terms of false theology and uh, just a history of it. All right. 
Man, what an answer. <laughs> See, this is why this is it's good this wasn't on the speed round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we would have made an exception, probably. <laughs> so when you're interviewed on other shows, are there any questions that you rarely get asked that you wish you had been asked more often? Not really. Um, you know, most of the time it the whenever I'm asked, it's always either related to this stuff, it's related to sports ministry, or it's related to loss of a child. Um, you know, that that's where that's that's why people ask me to talk. Um, you know, and so I'm okay with that. <laughs> Cause as you can tell, if you ask me another question on another topic, it ends up being a whole nother episode in itself. So it's probably better not to ask the question in general. <laughs> maybe, maybe who knows? But uh, <laughs> that being said, so who do you think is winning the world series next year? <laughs> it's hard to tell, man. I, I'm more interested right now in seeing if Carrera, Carrera will actually make it onto a roster by passing a physical before spring training. <laughs> I doubt it. I think that actually is probably harder to predict at the moment than even who's going to win the World Series. All right. Well, you know. I'll say it's NL. I'll see. We'll see. But uh, where can I people... Will, I will say, I, I do have to say this, though is that anybody that is sleeping on Cleveland is out of their mind. Rest well. Because they had the youngest team even th – their major league roster was younger than everybody else's AAA roster, and yet they still made the playoffs easily. So don't sleep on Tito, and definitely don't sleep on Cleveland now that they actually have experience. So just saying. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No home bias at all whatsoever. Uh, where can people go to follow you or learn more about what all we've talked about today? Yeah. So, um, our website is ministrymisfits.com. Um, we've got the blog there. You can listen to the show there. You can watch the show there as well. Um, we also have a couple of theology 101 resources walking through some of the different stuff that we, we talk about a lot. Um, so the Cold War theology stuff, there's a very, very watered down version of it in writing and then links to the episodes where we actually talk about it. Um, there's also we do everything through the three tier paradigm, um, which was something that I was taught by Dr. Greg Linville. Um, but basically, it's the, it's the way we look at everything. So, um, you know, level one is theological truths, Christocentric theological truths. And that's where we center everything in. And once we have that foundation, we can have level two biblically based philosophical principles as far as how we actually think about the stuff that we just looked at theologically. And then that then informs level three methodological models of how we actually do it. Um, you know, so that kind of stuff is all laid out there in the theology section. Um, there's also a shop, um, the Misfit merch. Um, you know, we got stuff, stickers cups, mugs, um, t-shirts. There's also, like I said, there's an entire section of the store, um, where the money that you, the money that comes in from there, um, goes back to our partner organization, Tikva and, and all the work that they're doing with inner city kids here in Canton, Ohio. Um, and then, you know, you can also access like our Patreon page. You can get information on if you want to do our fantasy football league next year, all of that good stuff. Um, 
the website may be down. And there's also a section with event information if, you know, we're going to be anywhere live um, or, or speaking, anything like that. Um, this episode of Whole Church will be on there once it releases also. Um, we've got an entire library of anything that Brandon and I have been on other shows with, um, things like that. Um, if you're wanting to follow social media wise, um, we're on pretty much everything. So TikTok, Twitter, Mastodon, Facebook, Instagram, um, and all of every, on all of those, it's at ministry misfit, no S because the S was already taken. Um, and I'm only slightly bitter about it. On um, Mastodon? And Mastodon wasn't, but I kept everything safe. Yeah, I, I, I kept everything the same. Um, just to make it easier. So yeah, on Mastodon, it's, it's still at ministry misfit. And I believe we're, it's ministry misfit at Deacon social, I think is what it is. Deacon dot social, maybe something like that. Um, yeah. If you go to our website, you can find the links for all that there also. Um, but yeah, we hopefully are going to be having the blog updated soon. If not, my Twitter kind of acts as a mini one. Um, and then we're, we're finishing out season two here in February. Um, actually with Josh is the guest that's supposed to close us out. Um, and then we take a break in March and then we come back for season three in April. So yeah, I think that's everything. Who knows? Brandon that's normally does this part on our show. So I've kind of forgotten where everything is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that we like to ask every guest is if you had to recommend one tangible action our listeners can take to better maintain the uni- the unity of the church, what's one practical action that you would recommend for our listeners that they can do right now? Learn what essential doctrines actually are. Um, if they actually know what essential doctrines are, then it should prevent some of what we see. Um, you know, a lot of this is people that have taken things that are not essential doctrines and made them essentials. Um, you know, that, that's where a lot of this stuff comes in. You know, um, if you want a quicker thing to do, um, <laughs> we, we have an episode called um, Agree to Disagree, where <laughs> we actually walk through how to have dis- disagreements among believers biblically. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we go step by step through the whole thing as far as how to do it without sin. Um, and then we also just released this week as we're recording this one on what biblical slander is, which is the other big thing we see online a lot is people don't actually know one that if it's written on Twitter, it's not slander, it's libel, which is just something that annoys me to no end. And two, (laughs) um, what, what actually constitutes slander biblically? Um, which yeah. is way more than what the law does. Um, so there, there's a couple of Misfits episodes if you don't want to spend hours and hours looking through what the church has claimed to be essential doctrines. Um, but honestly, just getting back to the essential doctrines as essentials um, goes a long way. All right. You know, you'd be surprised how many people we have on the show with their own podcast who don't plug their own podcast when we ask. That's a that's tangible. Come on, man. You know, uh, that's what somebody, another Probably. show yesterday actually asked me, or they, they didn't realize we had a show for some reason on Twitter. They were following me because of the tweets, not because of the show. And when he found out we had a show, he's like, oh, did I tell you I have one too? 
and he shared it. I was like, dude, you got to learn how to do this right. So I, I taught him how to obnoxiously throw your podcast feed into random conversations to where people <laughs> actually think that it's it's like not annoying. So, yeah, yeah I, I if your guests need to learn how to do that, I, I'm up for showing them all the good gifts for that. All right. We'll let we'll get the word out. We'll have a seminar. Yes. Uh, Add that to the uh, conference list. Yeah. 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 The uh, the Andrew Fouts inserting yourself seminar how to annoy customers into supporting you mm-hmm. <laughs> classic so before we wrap up we like to do our god moment if this is your first time here welcome glad you stayed thanks and this is just a moment where we share what god's been up to with us recently whether it be a blessing challenge moment of worship anything like that anything where we saw god in our lives and i always make josh go first josh isn't here so I'm going to call him, wait for him to answer. No. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, for me, my God moment this week is I've had a whole lot of new things come up this week that are on the horizon that made me really, really excited for this year and given me a lot of hope that this is going to be a good year for the first time in, you know, a couple. So really hopeful for that and glad that I can hold on to that hope. Uh, David, do you have a God moment for us? Uh, yeah, God moments. Let's see. Uh, 2022 was really rough. Ended up, uh, my wife and I ended up leaving a uh, church that we had been going to for over a decade. And here recently, th- this week actually, God's really been showing us how to heal, how to uh, take comfort in knowing that we are being obedient to him and showing us that even though we left that community, that we're not alone. Uh, I've had plenty of opportunities to speak to people and get, get back in touch with a lot of people who I lost contact with being so wrapped up in an unhealthy church community. And so, uh, yeah. And then also I found out that, um, one of my brothers is having a baby. So I'm going to be an uncle. Sweet. Now I know. (laughs) Yeah. So Andrew, do you have a God moment for us this week? Uh, I think the biggest thing standing out in my head at the moment, probably because we just talked about it, um, was the, uh, Kind of the it was the first time that I had actually been able to connect the dots with Isaiah six and you know the thief on the cross and everything as an example. Um, it's something I've been you know I've it's been a pet peeve of mine everywhere we've gone as far as the way people, the way pastors specifically talked about the afterlife and things like that. Um, but the bigger thing for me was the realization of the fact that you know, we, we have, we have physical examples of what the glory of God actually can do in a person's life before they are a believer and not just when they are one. Um, you know, so these God moment ideas that can happen, you know, with, with, with anybody, regardless of, you know, where they're at already, that the, the realization of how big of a God we actually have. Um, so, don't know if that actually answers the question fully, but that's the the one that's at the top of my mind at the moment. So, yeah, sweet. Thank you so much for sharing. If you're still here, 
thank you for listening. Thank you for your time, Andrew. Uh, we so enjoy your company and the support of our audience. Please, if you enjoyed it, consider sharing it with a friend. You could also share it with an enemy. Share it with a cousin. Cousins love to help. Uh, most of mine do, at least. If, if you don't have a cousin, share with one of my cousins. I think David has a lot of cousins. I do. David has a lot of... Share with one of David's cousins. <laughs> uh, make sure you get your ticket to our convention. Uh, as of today, we are going to be having a how to insert yourself in a conversation non-obnoxiously seminar with Andrew <laughs> Fouts. We're also going to be having clean stand-up comedy with Tom Emmons. A uh, lot of local food trucks in Charlotte. If you've never had food from a Charlotte food truck, they're pretty good. Eric Nevins, head of the Christian Podcast Association, is going to be there. It'll be cool. You get to the network. You get to hang out with us. You get to see what I look like in person. It's kind of shocking. Check out our other show at systematicecology.org and see if you like it. If you don't like geeky stuff, Check it out anyway. Who knows? Uh, we hope the Tolkien Lewis it. creation one was like spot on. So if you if you're on the fence about listening, start with that one. Yeah, yeah, we have our moments, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hope you enjoyed it. Come back next week when we'll be speaking with Dr. Jennifer Bashaw, author of Scapegoats: The Gospel Through the Eyes of Victims. Then we'll be doing an interview with Andrew Gilsmith, author of Our Lady of the Artelects a Catholic sci-fi novel. After that, we'll be back with another roundtable, this time discussing the peculiarities in our history and traditions that make us different and how we can hold on to those differences and remain in unity. And finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Hopefully. Usually this is where Josh and I bounce off each other about how Francis Chan's not going to be on the show. Well, I know <laughs> Francis Chan is listening. I mean, at this point, he's just playing a joke on us. Yeah, he's playing hard to get. <laughs> it's a little rude. You're picking on us. <laughs> this is bullying but once again thank you so much thank you for your time Andrew and come back next week thank you for listening to the whole church podcast remember you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast and you'll get extra bonus episodes like this week's whole church news segment where we go over news and events and pray requests from around the world in the church today come back next week where we'll be interviewing Dr. Jennifer Bashaw, author of Scapegoats, Seeing the Bible Through the Eyes of the Victims.